Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, the Jets are back in the win column. We look back at a solid outing in St. Louis ahead of the All-Star break. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, finally some positivity to kick off the show today. It's been a while since I can say that. I'll, I'll tell you what, it sure felt a lot longer than two weeks without a victory, but the streak is finally over and I don't know who needed that one more. The fans or the players, right? Because things were starting to get really bleak around the team for a long, long time. I mean, they had no identity, according to Mark Scheifele before the game in St. Louis. You had players that needed to be shipped out or or benched or position swapped. They can't get a save from a goalie, etc., etc. It was just all this negativity here at the city. And then almost out of nowhere, the Jets come out with a huge effort through 40 minutes earn a big lead, and then relied on some timely goaltending from Connor, I mean, Eric Comrie in the third period. And the result ends up being a 4-1 win to keep the chase for a wildcard spot somewhat within reach heading into the second half of the season. And man, I mean, just talk about a turnaround from quite possibly their worst game and effort of the season against Vancouver last week to one of the more impressive showings by the Jets. On the road since, I don't know, maybe the the second half of the Vegas game? It's been a long time since Winnipeg looked that strong. And and maybe more importantly, they looked tough to play against. Like, they actually made life hard on the St. Louis Blues. They made life hard against their opposition for the first time in a long, long time. At least through the first two periods. Because that start to the game, outside of the first shift when Eric Carmen needed to make a big save, but other than that, the overall start to the game for the Jets was extremely positive. I mean, the team was absolutely flying out there. It was night and day from the complete no-show in Vancouver just a couple evenings before. And for me, the the biggest sign that the Jets were going to come out with a huge effort was that the forecheck was just ferocious. I've always felt like when Winnipeg is after pucks as hard as they were on Saturday afternoon, that that's a good sign that the rest of their game is going to follow after that. 
And that's, I mean, that side of the game was great and it continued. But they also didn't allow a whole lot of opportunities towards Eric Comrie early on. The penalty kill was really strong as well. But I just felt like the way that team got on the St. Louis Blues defense core, which surprisingly is actually the weak spot of, of this Blues team throughout the course of this season. But the way that they put pressure, the way that they were able to create turnovers, the way that they were able to keep possession inside St. Louis's zone, it was just an absolute clinic by the Winnipeg Jets forward group and, and really something that was necessary considering there were, you know, some people coming in on the blue line, but, you know, a few more rookies playing some significant minutes for the team there. They kind of needed their forwards to step up a little bit. We certainly saw that in a big, big way. And again, just a, a night and day difference from the game against Vancouver. I mean, through the first two periods, if you were looking as, as well, just, you know, strictly from an analytical perspective, the Winnipeg Jets had over 70% of the expected goals at 5-on-5. Five five. There was a decent amount of penalties, but through the first 40 minutes, while it was still a relatively tight game on the scoreboard, the Jets really took it to the St. Louis Blues. So, so that is kind of why I thought, you know, maybe going back to the comeback against Vegas, it was the strongest we've seen the team. And it's funny because it comes on the heels of the... Very polarizing comments. I shouldn't even say polarizing because I don't think a lot of people really enjoyed the words that came out of Mark Shifley's mouth. But it set up a bit of a firestorm when Mark Shifley was asked if the Jets had an identity. And he said probably not. It's interesting that the team played as well as they did after that because, man, oh man, if you want an identity as a team, the first 40 minutes against St. Louis is the one you want to be, right? Like They, they looked like one of the better teams in the NHL. And I thought I thought it was perfectly encapsulated by the play on the team's second goal of the afternoon. I mean, right there is what the Winnipeg Jets should be game in, game out, night after night after night. And if you go back and look at it, I mean, it, it starts unsurprisingly by the strong play and the strong effort and the strong work ethic of Pierre-Luc Dubois who beats a couple of St. Louis Blues to a puck. He uses his physicality. He's able to set up Cole Perfetti for, I mean, th that should have been the goal right there. A great chance and a great play by Dubois to set that up. Perfetti misses it, but still, the attack is relentless. The forecheck gets in on the Blues defenders again. They force another turnover. Dubois got in on it. Kyle Connor even used his speed to his advantage, something he could probably do more often, but used his speed to his advantage to... Set up another turnover. Dubois is able to get the puck off of that. Connor, you know, being the elite goal scorer he is, kind of drifts quietly off into some space. And Dubois makes a great pass to find him. And we know this season, if Connor gets the puck in that area of the ice, the red light's going to go on and it's going to be celebration time at the bench. I mean, that, that play right there should be what the Winnipeg Jets are all about. You know, yes, you have these high-end, high-skill forwards in your top six. But you complement that with a high-end work ethic and just, you know, I, I hate saying want it more than the opposition, but just working your ass off to get the puck back. There's no reason the Winnipeg Jets shouldn't be playing like that every single night. I mean, that, that should kind of be the minimum, right? And we see it from the Dubois line, you know, way more consistently than the rest of the team. And, you know, Adam Lowry's line doesn't lack for effort. They do lack in, you know, scoring ability. So it's not necessarily the same comparison there. 
But really, the rest of the team should follow suit and, and should be as effective physically as the Dubois line was on that specific shift. And that might have been, you know, kind of in a funny way, one of the more frustrating parts of the game was that the Winnipeg Jets were playing so good and you're watching it going, oh, why the hell can't you do this all the time? <laughs> right? Like, you should be able to play like this every single night. And it does get a little bit irritating to watch a team that is coming off six straight losses play as well as they did, knowing that, you know, that is well within their grasp of doing. I mean, I guess the harsh answer to that is... That's kind of what average to below average teams do is they'll tantalize you with a good game here and there, but it's not the consistent. It's not the norm, right? It doesn't happen for teams like that night in, night out. Whereas for the elite teams of the NHL, they do provide that and, and make that a very consistent theme each and every week they step out onto the ice. I, so, I mean, maybe that's just the simplest answer is that the reason the Jets can't do it every night is because they're they're just not consistent and they're not good enough. But maybe this could be a springboard, right? Y you never know. I, I know, you know, five points, maybe seven points if the Flames win their game in hand. That could be the deficit they're looking heading into the second half of the season just to, you know, squeak into the playoffs this year. Still a bit of a, still a really, really long climb for this team to overcome. But maybe they can build off of that. You've got a game against one of the runts in the NHL coming up before the break officially kicks off. Maybe this is something the team can build on and you never know, make a bit of a run. At least make things interesting, right? I know a lot of people want to see, at this point in the season at least, see the Jets become sellers, try to reload and, and go at it again next year. And if we're being totally honest, it's it's probably the most likely path that they're you know going to be on the outside looking in by some kind of a decent margin headed into the deadline. But I'd rather see some wins. <laughs> and maybe it's because the team that we're going to talk about later on, the Jets' next opponent, the one that I'm unfortunately a fan of, you know, just won for the first time in, in over a month in 14 games. But I don't know. I mean, the, the Jets are kind of in the spot they're in. They're not going to be, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. They're not going to be one of the best teams in the league either way. It would just be nice to see them make things a little bit interesting. It's a lot more enjoyable cheering for wins than cheering for losses, even if it might help the team out more to lose heading into next season. So I'm hoping to see the team find a way against all odds to continue that effort that they carried against the St. Louis Blues over into the second half of the season. Yeah, it's unlikely it's going to end up in a playoff spot, let alone a series win or two or three. But with a big-time lack of positivity in, in the rest of the world, it would be nice to enjoy a little bit of happiness when it comes to the hockey club every once in a while. So there's that, at least. We'll get to the rest of the game. Some big-time individual performances from, you know, some of the youngsters, again, on the blue line, but, you know, even Annette as well. And then we'll talk about the final game for the Jets ahead of the All-Star break in just a sec. But quickly, a shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings, one of the official sports betting partners of the NFL. And the big game is just about here. Maybe the best NFL playoffs of all time so far. It's just been crazy. And we're getting the game that I don't know if anybody could have ever predicted. Bengals versus Rams in just under two weeks' time. And DraftKings Sportsbook has a huge, huge deal on the table for you to get in on the action in time for the big game. Live in New York as well, 
with DraftKings now. So for anybody in the Empire State, you can bet there. And if Sportsbook is not in your state or province just yet, remember DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest will be on tap for Super Bowl 56. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 or older, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Now, actually, before we get to some of the individual performances from the game against St. Louis, there was one thing that I I wanted to mention a little bit earlier there. But one of the more promising developments that came, I guess, from the the coaching side of the table was the time on ice split up front. This is how the Jets should be playing every single night. I mean, there was not a big amount of difference in the team's time on ice leaders, especially at 5-on-5. I mean, you had Shifley, Wheeler... Dubois and Stasny as the four highest even strength time on ice getters up front for the Jets, all situated within a couple of seconds of each other. Kyle Connor, you know, a few seconds behind them. I think he missed a shift due to an equipment issue earlier on, or else he would have been right there with those four. And then Cop, Lowry, and Perfetti, not too far behind the big four there. And even, you know, Harkins, Tonadado, Veselainen getting just under 10 minutes of even strength time on ice. I don't think it's a coincidence that the ice time is much more split, it's much more even, and the Winnipeg Jets were a much more energetic group, a much more tenacious and hardworking group when it comes to the forecheck especially, the backcheck as well. I mean, I think that's the way this team should have been playing all season long. And I just think, you know, specifically when it comes to players like Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, that's where you're going to get the most effectiveness out of those two. I just don't think it's in the team's best interest to have Shifley at 23, 24, 25 minutes a night and Blake Wheeler at 21, 22, 23 minutes a night. Having Shifley, Wheeler, Dubois, Connor, I mean, Ehlers when he comes back, all those guys in and around the 19 to 20 minute mark, that's the sweet spot right there. And they're going to be really effective. And I I think you're going to see more shifts like the one the Jets had on that second goal as opposed to efforts like the entire team had in the Vancouver game so that was a really positive development from my view that you know maybe maybe we might see the time on ice be well balanced almost a four-man unit but the way this team is stacked even a three-man a three-line unit rather you know rolling three lines pretty equally I think the Jets are going to be much more situated for long-term success that way so that was awesome What may have been the most positive development, though, in all of this was the fact that Vili Hanela had his best game of the season and and maybe the best game he's played since being 18 years old. It was the most effective he's been probably since his his initial stint in the NHL. 
And maybe it's no coincidence as well that it comes playing beside Neil Pionk. But those two were really, really effective all night long. And, I mean, look, we've, we've come to expect this from Pionk over the past couple of seasons here in Winnipeg. But just really great to see that, you know, maybe it's because the partner beside him was a bit stronger. Maybe it's the fact that he started to get a run of games under his belt. Maybe he's just getting more comfortable with the pace of play and everything like that at the NHL level as opposed to the AHL level. But it was just so, so damn optimistic to have Hanela play a bit of a breakout game. I mean, he was just really, really confident that duo moved the puck extremely effectively. They also defended well on top of it, too. I mean, I, I didn't see Hainel get overwhelmed physically inside his own zone. He made a, a ton of great plays under pressure. And, and again, his game isn't necessarily going to be a bunch of, you know, wow, you plays. You know, just because he's an undersized defenseman doesn't mean that he's going to play like, you know, Makar and, and Gerard out there in Colorado. But it's just going to be a lot of, you know, short, subtle, smart plays. He's, he's almost like the Paul Stasny of, of the defense corps, right? Like that, it, There's just going to be a lot of underrated plays that add up over the course of a game that, you know, when Vili Hainala is on, are going to lead to positive results for the team over the course of a few games, over the course eventually of a season. And and the highlight really was the one rush up the ice that Hainala and Pionk had, I, I think it might have been in the second period. But I mean, <laughs> it might have been the best passing play we've seen from the Jets all season, Forwards or defense, right? It was a couple of one-touch passes from the two of them up the entire ice. And then Pionk feeds Hainala in the slot. A great shot, but unfortunately hits the inside of the post and just stayed out. Or else that would have been one of the highlights of the season for the team. But I just thought overall, a really, really positive step in the right direction for Vili Hainala. After a really shaky first game, you know, maybe a so-so game in his second outing against Vancouver, but a huge step towards where a lot of Jets fans are hoping him to be, you know, maybe a staple in the top four, not necessarily this season, but sometime soon. But hey, if he can be a regular in this lineup and and continue to play a long stretch of games, it'll be really fascinating to see how quickly we see progression in Vili Hanela's game. And you know what? Maybe he can go from, you know, the press box right to playing... 17, 18, 19 minutes a night for this team. If he plays like he did against St. Louis, he's not coming out of the lineup anytime soon, regardless of how many healthy bodies the Jets get on the back end. So really, really exciting game, I thought, for Vili Hanela, his best game, maybe even his best game overall as a Winnipeg Jet. Now, the intriguing part is going to be just what this team does on the blue line once they get fully healthy. And maybe it's against Philly on Tuesday. I mean, it sounds like Josh Morrissey is going to be good to go. DeMello, a bit of a question mark. Maybe they hold him out until after the All-Star break to give him another week of rest. But either way, decision time is going to be coming soon for the Jets. And then Logan Stanley's issue is a bit up in the air right now as well. But, you know, I'll tell you this. And it's probably going to be the dream scenario for a lot of Jets fans as well. But if this team has a healthy blue line, and if Philly Hanela, for example, plays as well in Philly as he did in St. Louis, I don't envision a scenario where you take him out of the lineup. But what if you kept that Hanela Pionk pairing together? If they could work as well as they did Saturday afternoon, the rest of the way moving forward, that's a pretty damn good pairing for the team. 
and they're going to move the puck up quickly. And with this forward group in that top six, you know what? You might not want to focus on being a staunch defensive team necessarily. It hasn't worked for this club for a while. But getting the puck up the ice, it's a different way to play defense because you're, you know, instilling some fear to the opposition because those skilled forwards are going to be going on the attack shift after shift. If Hanel Pion could be solid moving forward, you know, you could roll with a top pair or whatever you want to call it, but a pair of Morrissey and Schmidt, which I think has been the best group for Josh, the best pairing for Josh Morrissey so far this season. You could have Morrissey Schmidt, Hanela Pionk, and then Brendan Dillon and Dylan DeMello as your third pair, which would be, I think, one of the better third pairs in the NHL. And they also have some familiarity from playing together when they were in San Jose on the Sharks. That that might be about as good and balanced as the decor could possibly be with the group that they have right now. So it's a really exciting option for the team, but it's going to depend a lot on just how well Vili Hainala continues to play. You know, I, I think he's going to get minutes no matter what moving forward. But, you know, if DeMello's out another night, maybe there's a way that you can give Hainala one more audition with top four minutes. And if the kid nails it, Kind of like what we've seen from Cole Perfetti so far. You know what? It helps the team in the present, and it sure as hell helps the team in the future as well. It's a win-win in the biggest way. That would be a really exciting development, wouldn't it? E- even if the playoffs don't eventually happen. If Hanela and Perfetti play significant minutes for this team for the next 40 games, outside of Pierre-Luc Dubois' emergence this year, it would be... Quite possibly the most single individual optimistic beneficial thing that the Winnipeg Jets could have going for them headed into the upcoming season. So let's hope it happens. Thankfully for Vili Hainala and the Jets, you know what? The upcoming opposition is gonna isn't gonna give them a whole lot to worry about. Because my Philadelphia Flyers are next on the schedule. The Jets will head into Philadelphia. I mean, a place that's always given weird games, right? I mean infamously the rosary game I, I think that might have been the initial game in philadelphia for the winnipeg jets but they've had a bunch of overtime games some high scoring affairs it, it's always been eventful when the jets head out to philadelphia i don't know if that's going to be the case this time around <laughs> i mean the flyers finally ended their franchise worst 13 game losing streak getting to win against the kings on saturday afternoon but there is just not a lot to worry about if you're on the Winnipeg Jets side of things here, I mean they're they're awful. They're 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 so unbelievably bad, and it's really more a testament to how bad the Coyotes and the Canadiens are that the fact that they're still well below the Flyers in the standings, despite Philadelphia owning two double-digit losing streaks in the first half of the season. But they they can't do a lot right. I, I mean, really, the only positives from the Flyers side this season has been that Claude Giroux has been outstanding which, you know, is an issue in and of itself because when you're 34, 35-year-old captain's your best player, you know, you have some issues that the rest of your team is underperforming. And the other one is that Carter Hart has a rebound season after one of the worst goaltending seasons we've seen from a starter, and he looks like he's the real deal again. So those are really the only two major problems the fly- the Jets need to worry about when they face off against the Flyers is... Carter Hart steals one, and, and Claude Giroux continues to turn the clock back. But other than that, the Flyers don't score much at all, if, if any, and they're one of the worst defensive teams in all of hockey. You know, you, you think the Jets' defense is bad. Watch 
watch Philly inside their own end Tuesday night. It's going to be a bit of an eye-opener if you haven't watched a whole lot of Flyers games so far this year, which I hope you haven't. But even with how awful Philly has been, this is really a must-win game for the Jets. You're facing one of the worst teams in the league. Your starting goaltender is going to be well-rested, maybe the most rested he's going to be all season long. And you just came off one of your better performances on the road against a division rival. You're heading into the All-Star break here. If you have any hope of climbing that mountain to a wildcard spot, you have to get the win here against the Flyers. On top of that, a loss would just be so crippling. It would be absolutely devastating. I, I just think, at least from a mental standpoint, to do all that hard work in St. Louis, to try to get things going back the other way, only to take two steps back against one of the worst teams in hockey, it, it would just be an inexcusable loss. So, I mean, for the Jets side of things, they got to get it. On top of it, too, Calgary has two games this week, so they'll play out their extra game in hand on the Jets. You really need to get the full two points against the Flyers because Calgary very well still could push seven points clear of the Jets with 41 games to go if they're able to win both of their games in hand. So... While the opponent might not be fierce, the stakes are extremely high for the Jets. I mean, this is how it's going to feel every single game for the team, at least heading up to the trade deadline, but certainly for the majority of the season and what's to be a absolutely frenetic, crazy month of February where it feels like the Jets are going to be playing basically every other night for the next, I don't know, 60 or so days. Uh, but that's where we'll leave it for today's episode. We'll be back at it on Friday Breaking down the Winnipeg Jets matchup against the Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe we'll hand out some first-half grades as well, now that that'll be officially in the book as well. And you know what? Maybe, just maybe, we might go back into the plate side of things for a little bit and talk to a local spot here in Winnipeg that I mentioned recently in one of our previous episodes here on Skates and Plates. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. Like I mentioned, we're back at it on Friday. Until then, everybody, stay safe. Enjoy the rest of your week. Peace.